you think about history, you're probably thinking about war, world-changing technologies, political movements. But how about food? Yeah, food. And thanks to a clever Under Rocks listener who tipped us off to it, we're all going to have a better understanding of our own history through our cookbooks, our lunchboxes, and what's on our dinner table. Welcome to Under Rocks. I'm Susan Stevens. Dan Libman, Spencer Tritt, and I were shocked to learn about an organization that's been right here under our noses for years, the Culinary Historians of Northern Illinois. Culinary? Culinary? Of course, we'll get into that. They've put on presentations about everything from hot dogs to supper clubs for years, and they're preserving family and community recipes. We reached out to the group's leaders and co-founders, Jerry Rounds and Bruce Craig, and we had questions. A lot of questions. We were very excited to uh, to learn that this uh, group exists. Yeah. We uh, got an email from, from a listener telling us about you guys and asking us to investigate more. And we've wondered where have we been all of your lives. Yeah. <laughs> we really missed out on a lot of great uh, events, it looks like. Also, is, is this something I could have studied in school? Could I have gone into this for a living? Nobody told me about it. <laughs> I think it's a very new living, you okay. know, culinary historian, food science, nutrition, food, food service, you know, I've always been there, but I know Bruce has done a lot at Roosevelt University as a professor there teaching culinary historian classes, but we've been in existence since 2016, but Bruce started the culinary historians of Northern Illinois, maybe, when was that Bruce, 1990 maybe? Culinary historians of Chicago. Chicago, 1990, maybe? 1993. Well, how does how does um, Chicago and Northern Illinois, cul- is it culinary or culinary? Thank this you for asking. This is the most asking. important question. Yeah. Either. No, it can't be either. We need, a, <laughs> we need an answer. It's, culinary. You say culinary? Okay, how does Chicago and Northern Illinois culinary studies differ from all those other places you mentioned? Well, I think the culinary historians of Northern Illinois, and I'm, not, I'm speaking for both of us, but Bruce jump in because he always jumps is because I can't really speak to the beginning of Chicago because I only got involved in 95. So, but we have our, our goal and our major project is we do research. We're, research, we're collecting and with our roadshows, we're collecting recipes, ma- manuscripts, and analyzing them and archiving them. Matter of fact, Northern Illinois just took them in to archive. And we're also collecting community cookbooks uh, that we also, um, we have only two counties in Northern Illinois that we don't have community cookbooks from. These are just, Bruce can speak a little more to this. Bruce, would you like to say how Culinary Science of Chicago started? Culinary history organizations began in the um, uh, 1980s. And uh, the Culinary Historians of Chicago is modeled on the one in Boston which was centered on the Schlesinger Library at Radcliffe, and um, which is an important uh, archive and research institution for women's studies. And I need hardly tell you that food, food preparation has a lot to do with women. Sure. So uh, it's, it's, it's natural, those would go together. And um, food studies uh, really began as a university um, courses in the 1980s. Um, the one I did at Roosevelt beginning then is an early one. And now it's burgeoned into a huge field in co- encompassing 
not just history, but anthropology, sociology, sciences, all sorts of things. Everybody is doing it. And it's a major degree in uh, lots of places, again, starting with Boston University and then many others. So um, we're, we're both early and in the mainstream of uh, food studies. Wow. So you can actually be a master's or, or maybe doctor of food studies. That's amazing. Yes, you can. It will be called something else, but yes. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, um, you know, where our state, our area is Northern Illinois. And is, is there anything going on in food studies uh, in Chicago or Northern Illinois that is unique to this region that you wouldn't find in, in any of those other regions? Uh, Northern Illinois is centered on Chicago. Of course, it has its own traditions, little towns and villages and smaller cities all over Northern Illinois and, and the rest of the Midwest have uh, their own histories, largely ethnic histories. So for example, near DeKalb, uh, in the West, there are a lot of Scandinavians. You think of Scandinavians as being in, only in Minnesota or um, uh, maybe Western Wisconsin, but there are settlements like Sterling, uh, which are heavily Scandinavian and their foodways are Scandinavian. And this has changed over time because- You want to do Northern Illinois. Yeah, Northern Illinois, because it's because of immigration from places like Mexico. So you have large Mexican populations in West Chicago, places like that. And, um, uh, and other, other ethnicities, Hmongs, um, uh, Somalis, all sorts of people coming in and settling in the towns in the Midwest. So uh, th this is a, a really interesting test case for <clears throat> food, traditional foodways in America based on, on food production and then ethnicity and changes in it. There is a, there is a culture that we don't, we don't talk about a lot in Northern Illinois. And I know Bruce mentioned how Chicago was his center but we are focusing more so on northern Illinois itself and those small towns. And North Aurora is naturally a big town now, but it didn't start out that way. So that's what we're really trying to focus on. But then we're also trying to expand our viewpoint and what we're looking at to other cultures and how they're impacting what, what we have. We see a lot of traveling of food and food recipes when we're doing our road shows for the for the manuscript project or during the community cookbooks. Uh, you mentioned that, um, looking at cookbooks, um, that you find cookbooks from various counties in Illinois. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what you might find in one, when you discover one of these cookbooks? First of all, where are they hiding? Where are you finding them? And then what sorts of uh, dishes are in them? Uh, what we did was start in about 2019, we started the community cookbook project and Deb Lawrence and Martin is our community cookbook coordinator. She just did a, uh, a speech with us at Northern Illinois University because we donated all these cookbooks to them. So we have over 200 of them. Uh, we were only missing two counties. And it started years ago, <laughs> it's really funny, because later he moved out west, had a cookbook, community cookbook from Hinsdale. And she sent it, asked us if we'd like it, and she sent it to us and just kind of started it. This is a whole genre, and I know Bruce has talked about it for years as well, of cookbooks. What we're finding is what we found that um, 
the community cookbook started in um, around the Civil War time. We're not seeing as many right now. People are going online and, you know, not, you know, getting their recipes locked that way. But what we're seeing is that, um, I know Deb had the top 10 <laughs> dishes you're defining the their cookbooks. Uh, one of the things, almost every cookbook had a cheese ball. <laughs> almost every cookbook had a better than sex cake. Sorry about that, folks, by the way. <laughs> sure. Bedford cake. Sauerkraut tropic cake was a big one as well. So there seemed to be a, a number of alcohol dishes as well. So we came up with our top 10 list of what we found in our cookbooks. Now, this doesn't mean that this was standard in all cookbooks, but it seemed to change naturally with the changing environment and with the changing history, uh, whether it's a peacetime or a wartime. It also changed with the women's movement where you'd see all these elaborate dishes being prepared because when we're home and they were put in the cookbooks as, Mrs. Robert Smith. And then maybe 10 years later, we would be saying Mrs. Jane Smith. And maybe after that, just Jane Smith. And maybe after that, it was Robert Smith. So those kinds of things we saw too with the evolution of, of how, of, of not only the, the, the sexual revolution, but also the, uh, we also saw, saw it as part of the uh, the amount of time women had to prepare these dishes because then we saw during uh, world, well, because then we saw in the 50s, we started seeing a lot of recipes being um, taken from cake mixes or adding cake to stir cake mix or, you know, or, or a convenience foods. Now, when you look at the 50s, you're going to see things with a lot, 40s rather, things with not a lot of sugar because there was so much rationing. So you'd see more things that were homemade but not with if it, if it was made with a sugar it was for christmas or a holiday or somebody's birthday it wasn't a daily thing but then when you look at the 50s you saw so many sweets and people would give you recipes for uh lots and lots of different desserts because all of a sudden now they have the opportunity to do that and now we're not seeing too many community cookbooks coming out um the uh, cookbooks are come from Home recipes—they're—they're they're all charitable, and um, which again, as Jerry said, uh, began during the Civil War as a way to raise money for um, uh, medical help and um, for the for the soldiers in the field, and um, they're called sanitary commissions. And uh, this has just gone on; it snowballed. So there are hundreds of thousands of community cookbooks from that time to now in America. Uh, they come from uh, a couple of sources. As Jerry said, the evolution of them is that as food became industrialized during the 19th century and into the 20th century, more and more of the recipes came from the back of the box. They came from uh, manufacturers' um, uh, instructions for their, their products. And uh, they, came, they came from leaflets, came from radio, came from television, came from um, newspapers, a number of sources that go into these cookbooks. So there's a rule of thumb that um, modern ones from say the 50s onward are about 70%, some version of the back of the box, yeah. which means they were invented by home economists. And I have to say, home economists are, the, are one of the greatest uh, um, majors that 
uh, we used to have in colleges, and right. I think people are bringing them back. They're coming back in some places. Anyway, um, but people take these and personalize them. And once you change ingredients and make them personal, they're yours. So um, there, people have collected cookbooks, and they also collected and made their own. That is to say, they wrote down recipes. And this is what really started the culinary stars of Northern Illinois. I was giving a series of lectures in the early 2000s, 2004 and such around the state uh, for the Smithsonian. And um, I was in small towns all over the place. And I noticed that in historical societies and in libraries, there were, there were manuscripts. And they were just sit in cases or just sitting there. And then I began asking people, do you have manuscripts? Yeah. Has anybody ever looked at them? No. And, <laughs> and these are your grandma's <laughs> books that she put together and pasted together uh, from uh, written sources and hand wrote them. And what they are are family histories. And they're, they're histories of communities. When Bruce and I started this, uh, we had a little, we had the same idea, but a little different. I had about a hundred different recipes from my mom that were handwritten, either on index cards, all kinds of ways she had done this. And I found out that she wasn't strange. Everybody did, everybody did this. If they had a flyer, they'd write it down. So I wanted to do something with that. And Bruce had this idea from years ago as well. But we, we couldn't figure out how the heck we we're going to get all these recipes and what we're, how we're going to do it. So we decided on the rest, what we call their uh, historic recipe roadshows, where uh, people would br uh, bring in uh, their recipes, handwritten recipes. We asked them eventually to type them up because it took so much time to do that. And their memories. So they came, the first one was DuPage County Historical Museum, where they came in with their recipes and they um, spent 15 minutes with an expert and the expert would talk to them about their recipe and the influences and they would tell the stories and their backgrounds some really fun stories and a lot of them brought in artifacts or or pieces of equipment that they used the next road show that's coming up is in DeKalb Historical Society on April 29th in the afternoon and after that October 21st at Messenger Public Library from 9 to noon so it's so personal to, to people that, yeah. that they're, they're just eager to tell their family stories. And of course, they're all um, bound up in these in these family recipes. Oh. Yeah, and we, we had to limit it to two recipes a person because we found that people were being, bringing boxes. One gentleman brought in uh, one of the file boxes of his, his dad had just died. His dad was the cook and he could tell him how much these recipes meant to him. And, you feel badly, but you can't do all of them in one evening, especially. So we did have to limit it like two recipes. Are these available at uh, in Founders Library for people to look at right now? Yes, yes. they dig digitally. They're there. They're not there okay. in the paper format. We still have to get that to them. But yeah, they've all been digitized and they're all been typed up, and so they should have them. Yes. So we'd like to do this for manuscripts all over the country. So maybe your podcast will help us and encourage other people to do this. So we're going to set up a, a way uh, uh, to, sh for, to show people how to do this. We're creating a video and instructions, which we hope to put up online. 
Yeah, you're about to meet the Under Rocks Army, which is gonna you, yeah, gonna flood yeah. you with with recipes. Um, do you want to tell our listeners how they can contact you? You can go to our website, Culinary Stories of Northern Illinois uh, com, and you can. There's a form on there you can fill out with your recipe, and we'll we'll go right back to you with it. And we can. What you'd have to do is scan it in and send it to us. If you have any problems scanning it, just let us know. We can we can locate a library or a museum lo- locally next to you that uh, that would be happy happy to help you scan it. So yes, they can go they can go to our website and submit it that way digitally to us. Yeah, it's a great website. There's a lot of interesting stuff there. I'd yeah. encourage our listeners yeah. to to take a look at it. And we also have Facebook. We're on facebook and we're on instagram so if anybody's interested in anything that we're doing um you got a tiktok (laughs) well we don't do tiktok we're we're too old for that thank you both thank you bye Bye. i'm hungry pick up those cookbooks (laughs) thanks cool Okay, there are so many things I didn't. Yeah, I'm sorry that it went. Um, uh, That 40 minutes went fast. Yeah. Well, let's ask him. We're still we're still recording, right? Yeah. So I just want to say that we are. You know, I I wanted to tell them we've uncovered so many uh, culinary mysteries. Not the least (laughs) of which was how to say that word. Culinary. We we've uncovered the pawpaw. Yeah, I wanted to ask him about pawpaw. I wanted to ask that too, but I knew you were going to ask it. But then neither one of us could ask it. And we've uncovered the uh, the 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 beer nugget, the nugget that gave birth to Spencer Tritt. Yes, yes. When they're talking about like the the recipe boxes too, did you guys have recipe boxes around the house? Yeah, my mom still has one. Yeah, yeah. From from my grandma. And and the thought of um, just how many of those treasures are sitting there, and I've also found those in like you know. The thrift stores, someone's family legacy getting tossed. And they're tossed. cool because you can flip through them, and a, a really good recipe's got the stains. <laughs> right yes, there. Ah. that's like, the you sign could, of a good you one. You could scratch and sniff it. Oh, this sauce <laughs> is going to be good. And yeah. so the good news is there is another member of the culinary historians who's at Founders, Brad. So Founders some, and DeKalb. Founders in DeKalb, Library. Okay, and NIU. Excellent. So I think we need to talk to Brad and get in some of our extra questions. Oh yeah, that great we didn't idea. Have time for today, so. We're going to go pay Brad a visit for sure. Will do. Sure. My name is Brad Wiles. Uh, I live here in DeKalb. As you mentioned, I am um, an employee at Northern Illinois University in the library system. I'm the head of the Special Collections and Archives Department. And how did you get involved with the culinary historians of Northern Illinois? Culinary. Can we Sorry. Get a, can we get a... <laughs> <laughs> From the, let's get the founder's I, position. Say the word. Starts say, with a C. I say culinary. Okay. But it's one of the two it. acceptable pronunciations okay. we've learned. Is that right? Okay. Culinary wins. Yeah. Okay. So some, I guess this would have been in spring. It was shortly after I arrived here. I've been employed here since November of last year. I can't remember if it was, it must have been Jerry. She had just reached out because they had this project that they were wrapping up. Um, they had gathered all these materials and they were looking for a, uh, a repository, you know, and it just seemed like this would be a good fit. Um, part of the collection that I manage is regional history, um, and that's kind of a uh, statewide designation. There's it kind of is tied to the state archives, um, or that sort of helps draw the delineation between like the different regions. Um, but NIU is an um, archives repository for the state archives, but we also have this kind of collecting. Uh, scope that covers the 18 northernmost counties of northern Illinois outside of Cook County. 
so there is just that that regional connection, obviously, because they're mostly drawing their materials from northern Illinois. And I was asking, at some point, the public is going to have access to the, what's the end game of having collected all these regional recipes and regional cookbooks? Sure. Well, so more generally, the collecting mission um, for regional history and for, you know, the department, you know, there's all these different areas that we try to support uh, research and teaching, you know, basically those those larger goals of an educational institution. Um, also, there's the preservation of this sort of written and uh, material culture of, of the area. This particular donation will kind of be a, uh, a seed collection for an ongoing relationship with the culinary historians. Um, and other initiatives that they kind of take on as they grow over the years. So they will be able to, as they gather records, they do more projects, they'll be able to contribute them to us. And these will in turn be made available for uh, students, for faculty, for community researchers, for whomever might you know, benefit from their use. So that's the idea. We are a public institution. There needs to be a public deliverable, and we want to try to, you know, again, shape these into educational resources and, and research um, uh, assets. Have you had the opportunity to, to look through the recipes? Has anything caught your attention? Anything surprised you? I, I have. And, you know, the so we did an event um, where we coordinated with the NIU, um, oh, it's their nutrition and hospitality program. The, the historians, they came and they did a presentation, and then we had uh, selected some recipes from these various cookbooks and, and this uh, other uh, recipe manuscript pro- uh, project that they were part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had the students um, that are part of this um, nutrition program that they're the ones that do the Ellington's restaurant. Oh, right. So they put together these recipes and they um, kind of presented them as they were written. I guess some of them might have been more of an interpretation because the the recipes are can be a little bit um, yeah. can contain contain some stuff that you know may not be commonly found. Um, they always you know, say on Chopped, this is my take on the grilled right. cheese. Like that. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, but I think that they tried to be as faithful as they could. So as part of that, you know, I had to go through and kind of look and see if there were a number of, if there were anything that, that could work, you know, if there mm-hmm. were a number of recipes that could um, be, you know, sort of brought to the scale that we wanted, you know, to have for this event. Um, and so I looked through, yeah, I mean, dozens of them. And we've, there's, I mean, a couple hundred, I think, cookbooks, and then there's, um, you know, a bunch more recipes. And then there's other just material that kind of document the specific projects and the organization itself, too. So... Do you remember what they cooked? Yeah, I mean, they did like a meatballs and a chili sauce. They did oh, these kind of baked ham and cheese sandwiches. Um, there was this this kind of weird cheese ball thing that was shaped like a <laughs> like a fish or something. A fish um, cheese ball. That, yeah, and it had like a. It was a real. It was almost like a. I don't know if it was like a blue cheese or like a gorgonzola or something. It was really. It was. It was very pungent. Wow. And, I hope uh, it had a sliced olive for the eye. It did, it did, but it did have the almonds, so it looked like scales. Whoa. You know, like the wow. shape of almonds. Wow. Whoa. And uh, the, uh, and so there's and there's a couple of desserts. There was the. Then this is a total Midwestern thing. Is the uh, strawberry pretzel dessert? You know, with like the uh, the pretzel base. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That. Yeah, what is that? Yeah. That's it's, that's new to me. <laughs> it's a very, it's just a salty sweet. A lot of stuff you'd find in church basements, and of course, yeah. a lot of these these cookbooks they come from things like churches and different you know community organizations like that. So it is. It's just a uh, comfort food, Midwestern comfort food. It's so nice to see these these kind of cookbooks and these sorts of things be taken seriously as historic documents because you go to a garage sale, you go to a thrift store, and you just see you know some church cookbooks and community cookbooks, and 
they're not the hottest item on the shelves. And um, I guess we're at a point now where they, they can be seen that way sure. as something not like uh, that horrible cookbook that grandma uses to make her pretzel, strawberry, whatever. Um, they have value. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Well, I think that they've, they've passed out of this kind of phase of, of utility that they would have when they were initially brought there, whether that was as a fundraiser or, you know, for, for people who are learning to cook or for people who are, you know, they want to um, kind of put together, you know, these types of events that, um, you know, you commonly see at these different community uh, organizations. Um, and now, yeah, that, that value has kind of um, transferred into something else as, as like a, a unique and kind of special um, resource that documents a community. What are some regional foods that you yourself have uh, discovered or, or, uh, or that you enjoy that are kind of unique to this area? Even before I lived here, I had a brother who went to school here, so we would, I would visit you know, quite a bit, and this is years ago. Um, but I never knew about the pizza nugget or the beer nugget. <laughs> beer nugget. Yes. Yeah. We know a thing or two about the yeah. beer nugget. We had a whole episode on it. Yeah, so. <laughs> and, it's, and it's wonderful. And I think that the, you know, and I keep hearing about all these other different kinds of things, like in Rockford. Like someone told me I need to go to Pinion's Hot Dog Place. You yes, know? it's uh, that's where I got my turkey, my Thanksgiving turkey. Is that right? I love Pinion's. <laughs> yeah. And, and just, you know, the things that you can find at, like, in Bowdoin's and, and, you know, just discovering all these little places that have been here for a long time, um, at which, you know, that's not necessarily a, a culinary dish, but generally I do love to check out, like, anything that, you know, like, if you're going to St. Louis, you got to get the, the pizza and the toasted ravioli, you know. I have family in Nebraska. <laughs> if I go out there, I need to get, I need to go to Runza, you know, which uh-huh, is like a, a meat pocket. <laughs> if I go to... Quad Cities, you know, I need to go to Harris Pizza and get the Quad City style. Oh, yeah. Um, So, yeah, I I just, I I love all that stuff. And all of it has, a lot of it has, I can tell you also about, like, the people who have lived there over time and, you know, the different um, immigration. I I love, for example, we have in DeKalb, there's a number of of, of Hispanic food places, and they're all amazing, Mm -hmm. you know, and just the variety within that, just that community, you know, it really kind of comes through in the food that you encounter, so... Sort of looking at these recipes, you mentioned that, or I guess Jerry talked about them being stories, and a lot of those stories are immigration stories. Sure. Um, what What do you think, like future historians, like fifty years from now, what are they going to say about our recipes from the you know the twenty twenties? What do you- Well, I think they'll look at the trends and how it kind of what is there's that expression. It's like politics is downstream of culture, you know. Mm. So I think that they'll look at things like you know, kind of what people were, were eating and, and how that affected, like, kind of uh, health and the environment and land right. use and, like, all, all these other things and kind of what implications that might have. Because, you know, anytime I think that you have this conversation about food especially, um, you, we have to think about this kinds of um, environmental time bomb that we're walking into, you know, kind of hmm. uh, willingly and, and, and without much, you know, thought to it. And, so I, I, I think, assuming we make it that far, right. you know, I think that's the kind of thing they're, they're looking at. And, you know, you start to hear now about how, like, the future of farming is insects. You know what I mean? Like, for, for protein consumption. Because, I mean, we're just not going to be able to sustain yeah. the types of um, uh, factory farming and, and other things, other trends that have been kind of dominating food culture in this country for, for so long now. And it's so much different now, I think, with because you can find anything online. Um, it, it really any recipe you want. You know, I, I made oxtail stew this last weekend. Oh, I love know, and, and I, yeah. I just I never made it before, and, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll give it a try. It sounds great, and 
Um, and it was, but it's, you know, you go and you just type in oxtail soup in, in um, Google and you'll find 500 things that come up, you know, and so it's just the variety. So that's the other thing is that that's kind of what positions these types of resources that we're collecting. It, it really gives you, it kind of freezes that moment in time, you know, in a way that is, I think, quite a bit less fluid than what we're accustomed to with the web. What a difference that is right there, because before you had the box, you know, the little metal box that you'd flip open with mm-hmm. the recipe cards, that mm-hmm. would be in your kitchen, maybe a few cookbooks, and that's what you were limited to. You had to get to your neighbor to write something down to, if you liked it, at mm-hmm. the potluck. Yeah, or on um, the radio, as we learned. Oh, yeah, uh, you'd yeah. Have, you'd have to listen and write or it down t- real quick. Or uh, TV, where my mom got our family stuffing recipe, as yeah. it turns out, nice. all these years. <laughs> I, it was a precious, uh, most wonderful Thanksgiving stuffing, and then mm-hmm. I found her recipe card and it said TV stuffing on it. So <laughs> yeah, she yeah. copied it off the TV, but that's okay. Yeah. But what a difference now in that you don't need any of those things. So <laughs> No, not really. And, and so it's kind of this untapped well that you can go back to. you know. And, and I think that as these, you know, we sort of collect these items and we have to consider things like copyright and ownership and, and some of these other things. Mm. You know, the idea is to try to get this stuff online too and make it available in a way that is uh, kind of expands the reach beyond people just having to come into, you know, the reading room to access them. And, um, and, and that just, yeah, that just, it, there's like this constant cycle of like use and reuse and reactivation. And, you know, it's really, it's really interesting. It's really exciting to be able to capture that. What are some of the odd ingredients that you see that you might not have access Ooh, to? Oh, good segue. Because I'm thinking <laughs> oleo sure. is all over recipes. Yeah, oleo. Yeah, I mean, different types of like fats that, that people would use to cook, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you see how that kind of disappears. Like once you get to see, uh, you know, I would say probably like the by the 70s or so, you know, where there are like diet trends and there are other things that, you know, in, in food production that's going on to try to. Um, eliminate certain um, aspects of food or certain elements of food that whoever deemed were harmful, you know, and and that 20 years after that, like the the science is sort of reversed on it or it's questioned. And then 20 years later, you know, there's there's this constant like reconsideration of it. Mm. So, yeah, I I think it's things like that and things that, um, you know, how how many people cook with lard nowadays, you know, (laughs) just saying, saying the word and thinking about like eating lard, you know, this kind of, but... People I would saw, make, like, large uh, sandwiches, so I, I don't know. Wow. I, mean, I, I saw a box of lard right next to the boxes of Crisco when I was shopping for ingredients sure. for what I Is made right? yeah, <laughs> yeah. today. So, yeah. But I think it's also those combinations that you don't um, really would think about. I mean, who would think about sauerkraut and chocolate cake? <laughs> um, Apparently, a lot of people used to. Right. Didn't uh, Jerry say that was one of the most... She said Common. it was very popular. Yeah, <clears throat> one of the recipes that just kept coming up over and over. So, all right. So, so the elephant in the room is in Tupperware. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about what Sue brought in. All right. So Jerry sent us a recipe for sauerkraut cake, chocolate sauerkraut. Sauerkraut, sauerkraut cake. cake. We were so curious about it. Yes. When we talked with them, that we could just it had possibly to be as good as it sounds? That's what I. Was <laughs> it might be better. And Here's there's a- no there's no uh, bratwurst in it or anything. It's just it's- no. But I had to buy bratwurst because I have now a Costco size container <laughs> of sauerkraut at home, and this only took half a cup of sauerkraut. So. Yeah. Yeah. Something cool about this recipe too. So this was, I think, from one of their their uh, roadshow recipe collections uh, that they do, and it, it's actually from Sycamore. 
So this yeah. Car- yeah. this uh, I almost called it carrot cake. This sauerkraut cake. Sycamore sauerkraut. Is a uh, sycamore original here. Sue yep. Stevens sycamore sauerkraut. Oh, well, don't attach my <laughs> yeah. name to this. Oh, that's for the king. So yeah. um, do you want to describe making it? I mean, was, was, there, was it surprising? It was, um, it was surprising. Yeah, there was a lot of... Um, Tears? Some. So if it's a little salty, you know, it's not just sauerkraut, it's my tears. The fat in it, when you're making a cake, you're thinking maybe corn, not corn, some kind of oil yeah, or, yeah. or butter. Crisco. So, huh. Crisco. And here's a big scoop of Crisco for you. Yum. It's yeah. so, it, was, it looks um, good. Yeah, it was interesting just having to keep whipping things together, like butter and sh- or Crisco and sugar, beat and beat and beat until it's fluffy. Which uh-huh. I've never done before. So, yeah, it was a good looking um, batter. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last thing you do is fold in a half cup of sauerkraut. I don't know why. Half cup <laughs> doesn't seem like it's that much. Is no, it, but. Um, is it shredded sauerkraut? It's the it, old. You actually squeeze it yeah, out to dry it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, want, you need to drain it well and then <laughs> chop it up smaller. But you may, huh. st- you'll still find some chunks and you go, oh, is this coconut? Mm. Salty coconut. Yeah, see, my yeah. in my head when she said sauerkraut cake, I just pictured a cake with like a nasty wet <laughs> layer of yeah soggy sour cream. sauerkraut. Sour cream instead of frosting. Yeah, um, actually, and there is sour cream in the. It's a buttercream frosting, but it right. also took like a half cup of sour cream in it. So yeah. So this is we. I mean, everybody's well. Everybody wants to try it, but I mean, this is a, an under rocks moment. We've eaten. Beer nuggets, yeah. homemade syrup We've from had your house, homemade <laughs> yeah. syrup, and now okay, here. get in there for the our ASMR fans. Oh, start really start chewing. Yeah. Mm. that's wonderful. All right, it's oh. delicious. Well, I'm so happy because it... I'm not quite getting the sauerkraut. You may hit a chunk of it. <laughs> oh, I found it too. <laughs> I think you? I got some. Yeah. <laughs> It seems like this would be some old world recipe, but someone was crediting uh, a lunch lady in the '60s who had a bunch of sauerkraut and tried had to. I like that. Serve it. To, that's that my, makes me really happy if that I, was. True, I hope yeah. that's true, but I'm sure there are many ways to find out. In right. fact, if you date some of the recipes that you guys have in the archives <laughs> now, maybe we'll find one that goes back to the yeah. '20s. Or so yeah, I can see some flakes of sauerkraut in here. Mm-hmm. Gives it a little bit of texture, but it's. It's not uh, it's not heavy at all. I don't know. Everybody watch British Bake Off, so like, I mm-hmm. think I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> really, really good, light, crumb. really airy, yeah. really you know. the crumb, good, good crumb. crumb. Yeah, <laughs> right. We, we should give Sue a handshake for this one. Oh, big Paul wow. handshake. Yeah. Oh, I don't deserve it. I'll start crying. I'm chuffed. Yeah, this is great. All right, so this recipe thanks to Carolyn Flink of Sycamore, Illinois. Yeah, the idea of a county cookbook is really neat. It's it's. Uh, Having one from every county. Uh, yeah, definitely. And I don't know about you guys, but I know it was pretty sad when I saw some of the events that I had missed from the, <laughs> the hot dog event. Group, the hot dog history. Yeah. Right. There's been, just been a lot of great stuff that now we know. I didn't know about this organization. I don't know how I didn't know about this organization mm-hmm. after all these years. I know. Um, yeah, it was just dumb luck them them reaching out, you know, and ah. um, because they had this stuff or they wanted to do something with it, and so that's I think one of the main um, purposes of of a library is facilitation. So absolutely, and if people are interested, they can head over to Founders and check out some of these recipes in this archive. Make a day of it, going through. Come hungry. 
Yeah. <laughs> You'll probably leave hungry, too. <laughs> if I have anything, I'll give it to you. But... That's nice of you. There might be some of this sauerkraut cake left over, too. <laughs> Stand by. Here we go. All right. So... Junior quiet. We're dumping sauerkraut. Exactly. So do you want to just plop it in and you kind of fold it in with that? There we go. Right. The sauerkraut is in. God, this feels kind of like a crime. I'm tasting the right, batter with a it. pinch of sauerkraut. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I, I, my brain, my brain's confused. Okay. Because it's kind of good. <laughs>